Welcome to the podcast of New Creation Christian Center. I am Pastor Marquise Franklin, and I am excited that you would take the time to listen to our latest sermons and what God is doing in this ministry. New Creation Christian Center is in Seattle, led by Pastor Harold and Annis Franklin. And our statement is, come as you are and be transformed by the word of God, as stated in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to be encouraged by the word of God that is going to be shared today. Check it out and share it with somebody that may need it. Now, let's get into this week's message. The Americans' Creed, or the, the preamble of the Constitution, I believe it says, and maybe this is in the Declaration, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That, anybody know the rest of that? That all men are created equal. <laughs> now, if you believe that, then there's no room for prejudice because all men are created equal. That doesn't mean all men will perform equally. This is where we get problems with equality. Everybody thinks that equality means that everybody has the same ability, the same results, the same uh, material possession. That's not what equality means. That means you all have the right, but the the, the actual outcomes depend on other things not the fact that you're all equally in God's sight but how much effort are you going to give to what God has given you remember the story of the parable of the talents he gave everyone a talent one doubled his right one well actually one increased his by five he says you gave me one here's five I think or one one and I can't remember the story. One had 10, but anyway. But the one took and hid his and buried it. That's right. The story is five, two, and one. He gave five to one. He doubled his to 10. The guy had two. He gave it his, doubled his. But the one with one buried his. They were all equal, but their results were not equal. So equality doesn't mean you're going to get the same things. It just means you have the same opportunities. And this is also why there's sometimes there's a confusion in, in the political arena, which I don't really want to step into too deeply, but just because there's somebody that has more than you doesn't mean that that, that person necessarily was a cheater. <laughs> that just means maybe you just didn't understand how to increase what you have. Everybody has the ability to provide, God has given everyone the ability to meet the needs that you have whatever those needs might be it's envy and strife and sin that causes us not to fulfill what god has given us to fulfill amen but that's another story for another time and maybe we'll touch on that again but the 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 doctrines are wonderful but the doctrines don't change us and that's what we have to get you see it's not enough to know that God created us male and female, and nor is it enough that God created marriage between a man and a woman and a family between a husband, a wife, and, a child, and children. It's not enough to believe that. You have to live that. Amen? And so I, I touched on this at the beginning. If we believe the Word of God, the Bible says marriage is sex is only allowed in marriage. Do you realize the, the problems that would solve if we 
not only believed that, but did it? Huh? Do you realize if we did not have sex outside of the wedlock, there would be no venereal diseases? None. Zero. You say, how is that possible? Because nobody else would have sex outside of their union. Do you realize that um, there would be no abortion? You might say, well, pastor, there's marriage people have, married people have abortions. Yes, they do. But most of the abortions come outside of wedlock. There would be families would stay together <laughs> because the Bible says once you're married, you can't get out. And we wouldn't be trying to, see, this is, the, this, this is what sin nature does. The Bible says you can't do this, and then we try to find loopholes to say, well, how, well there's got to be a way out. I mean, even the disciples had that same mentality. When Jesus said, uh, there is no way out of marriage, but fornic uh, adultery, he said fornication, but, you know, adultery is what you call when you uh, have relations outside of your marriage. And the disciples, shocked at that, said, well then, isn't it, it's better that we, <laughs> it was better not to get married. That's what they said. Go look at it. They're saying there's no out, so it's best not to be married. That's, that's how sin thinks. He doesn't think about well, I better work hard to stay in this thing then. I better learn to get along with my wife. Otherwise, that's going to be a long and dreadful life. Huh? But that's what sin does. And so sin pollutes everything that God said was good. Everything that we have is good. But it's been polluted by sin. And the hearts and minds of the people that won't do what God said. So in order to make these doctrines work, we have to internalize them. Everybody say internalize. And this is another way of saying we have to be renewed. And we're going to get into this, but let's go through a couple of passages of scripture. Let's go to, uh, you might have to close that. Let's go to Mark. Chapter 12. What is it here? Twenty-nine through thirty-one. Now, we all know this passage because this is the, the two great commandments passage, right? So he says, um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord with all your, Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So let's just concentrate on those. So he didn't say you need to love God with your understanding only. See, when you read the Bible, you understand the doctrines, 
but you then have to internalize them. That's what it means to love God with all your heart. It's not just when somebody comes up to you and asks you, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. That's not enough. The Bible says demons believe in God. Matter of fact, they go beyond believing. They see him on a regular basis. Huh? I mean, when Jesus went to cast out the devils, what did they say to him? Anybody remember? You're the son of God. <laughs> and Jesus told them to shut their mouths and come out. You might wonder, why did Jesus tell the devil to shut their mouths? Because he didn't want the testimony of demons. Huh. Hey, amen. But the devil knows God is real. He only tells us he's not real. <laughs> but he knows. Amen. But you see, this is to get it into your heart, your mind, your soul, and also your strength. That's your whole being. That's everything you have. There's nothing left. You've got to understand that God is God throughout your whole being. Not just up here, but down here. Amen? And that's what it means to internalize the gospel. That's what it means to internalize the things that you believe. Romans 10, 9, and 10, which I was raised on, it was called the TNT of the Bible. 10, 9, and 10, that's where the TNT comes from. It says, and, and, you know, and I've memorized it, but I, I better read it because I probably memorized it wrong, that if you confess with your mouth... The Lord Jesus. And what's the second part say? Say it all together with me. And believe in your heart. See, it's not enough to confess. You've got to believe this thing inside of you. The heart is the part where we, everything exists. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So out of the heart are the wellsprings of life. It says, out of the heart comes evil. So everything comes from the heart. So you have to not only believe, confess with your mouth, but you have to believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So you see that it's not just the outward, it's the inward. And see, this is where the stumbling happens, is most people outwardly believe in God. But inwardly is where the challenge comes. Because inwardly is where the conviction stands up. You guys know what I mean by conviction, right? When you're faced with a ch choice to do right or do wrong, the inward man rises up and says, we do right. But the outward man wavers. Yeah, I know I believe God, but, you know, nobody's really going to know. <laughs> That's, you, you, we've all heard that one, right? Uh, nobody's going to, I'm not going to hurt anybody if I do this. Huh? Have we all heard these rationalities? about what we're about to do when we already know it's wrong. The, it, the outward man tries to convince you that if you do this, 
you can fix it later. <laughs> huh? And all of us, everybody say all of us, have been in that predicament. I mean, come on. Last week, yesterday maybe, uh, Marquise was talking about the pizza that dropped on the floor. Well, okay, shaking up in the car, how's that? I'm sorry, I don't want to embellish your story here. <laughs> but it was in the bag, it wasn't on the, it didn't fall, it just shook because he had to make a sudden stop. And in his heart, he says, man, I need to tell. But in his mind, says, if I don't tell, nobody's going to know. But that's what it means to internalize what you believe. You have to do the right thing. Because as the scripture says, the spirit compels you to do it. You know what compelling means? That means he makes you do it. You would say, well, I thought I had a will. You do have a will until you've surrendered it to him. And then his will is your will. So now you have a will, but it's to do his will. Amen? Amen. So we see that the internalizing is the, the test of what, if we believe what we say we believe. Now, let me, let me I'm going to share this with you. And this, I was, I was, as I was meditating on this, the Spirit gave me, it's, I think it's six things that go through, that the believers go through as phases to internalize what we say we believe. All right? So let's go through them. The first one is when you repent. All right? You repent. Well, everybody knows what repenting means, but re really what repenting means is that I acknowledge I'm wrong and I need to turn and go a different direction. So the first step is we understand that God is right, we're wrong. Everybody say, God is right, I'm wrong. That's tough for some of us to say. But God is right and I'm wrong. That's why a lot of people can't repent. Did you know that? Because they're not willing to admit that they're wrong. Now everybody, in our, you know, somebody said this, uh, we have more evidence for the fall of man, but more people deny it than anything else. We have all the evidence. All we have to do is look out the window just for five minutes and you watch the interaction of people and you can see that man is a fallen creature. But they, we deny it all the time. I'm not as bad as that person. I'm not as bad as all the other people. You don't know I'm a good person. We deny the fact that we know that we're wrong. So it's hard to repent, but that's the first step into getting transformed. You have to repent. What did Jesus say when he came down from the mount after being tempted of the devil? What was his first message? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He didn't say, go on a fast. He said, repent. Recognize that God is about to do a new thing. So in order to get into it, you have to repent. Amen? The next thing we go through, after we've accepted Christ, because that's what repentance leads to, there is a time of revelation and information. Now, what, is it, what do I mean by revelation? Many of the truths that we get from the Bible, now we take for granted, but these are revealed truths. At, uh, 
Moses was not there when Adam and Eve were around. You know that? Everybody knows that Moses wrote Genesis, right? Moses wasn't there. He wasn't there when Abraham accepted. He wasn't there up until the time where he was born, and he can't remember that far back. God had to show him these things. So the Bible reveals truth to us. But it also turns into information, which is what most educational systems provide. We get education that equals information. Education is information that you try and learn to apply to whatever situation you have. That's why you deal with reading comprehension. <laughs> reading comprehension is to see if you've internalized the information that you've just read. So when you're walking with God, you're getting all this new revelation, this new information, and it's challenging you. Everybody says challenging you to, to see where you were living before this revelation came to you. This is what I mean by one of the things that I thought before I got saved. I, again, I, I went to church, but I was never saved until I was like 19, 18. I thought you didn't need to discipline children physically. You didn't need to spank them. So my philosophy was, I can just talk to children. What a fool I was. Everybody say, Pastor, you were a fool. You, I know you guys don't want to say that because you think that's me. <laughs> so, because I hadn't, didn't have any children, I didn't realize children don't reason. <laughs> not, not for a long, long time. Huh? You can't explain to your children what to do and they just, oh, Dad, that sounds so wonderful. I know. So let me do what you just told me to do. If it were that easy we wouldn't have rebellious children. So I, it wasn't until I understood the scriptures teaching on foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. What does that mean? That means they don't know the right way. And it's not just a matter of you telling them. Sometimes you have to make them do it because of the fall. Everybody say because of the fall. See, the fall is so inundated into everything we do, we just don't even know it. We just do it. We just have to deal with it. Amen? So once you get this revelation and this information, then there's the third stage, which is the realization. Yeah, all ours. Isn't that wonderful? I think I'm going to write a book about this. <laughs> realization means <clears throat> I realize... I was a fool. <laughs> That's what you realize. You realize that your belief system and God's are not the same. Huh? That's, that's the challenge point. And that's where a lot of Christians stop. Because, yes, they know that God's ways are not my ways. Even the scripture says that. Your ways are not my ways, nor are my ways are not your ways, nor are your ways my ways. So when we get that revelation, what are we supposed to do? As his people, what's the natural thing? To repent 
and say, I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I'm going to try to do this thing your way. And we say that, but then when we're challenged in a certain position that's contrary to the will of God, then people say, well, I'm not perfect. Or I can't. God doesn't expect me to do this. How does, then we start copping out again. Are you with me? Are you guys understanding this? Because this, we all go through this process. And if you don't realize that your ways and God's ways don't mix, and therefore you need to do something about it, then you just stop right there. So the next stage is re renunciation. That's just a big word that says you renounce your former positions. You say, I'm no longer going to believe that I, can't, I, don't, I shouldn't discipline my children. I'm not going to believe that. Because the Bible says that that's not a good position to take. Now, you don't have to beat your children. That's not what the Bible says either. Huh? But you do have to discipline them. Everybody say discipline. Discipline does sometimes mean verbal correction, but sometimes it does mean physical spanking. I know we don't, that's, you know, a lot of people don't even believe it's legal to spank kids, but it is still legal to spank kids. I'll, I'll show you the statute. I actually had to defend somebody in court in Bremerton that had spanked his child and they charged him with child abuse. And we won. Because the statute says you can spank the kids. You just can't break their arm and do all kinds of crazy things, but you can spank your And you don't, you, we all know how to use moderation. And if you have problems with moderation, let somebody else do it. <laughs> Let's, you know, you know, as I'm saying, you, but somebody's got to do it. Some, the discipline has to be given. So you renounce your positions that are contrary to the position that God has revealed to you. This is, this is what's, this is all what the Bible talks about. Don't be not conformed to this world, but do what? Be renewed by the transforming of your mind. We're just halfway through this sermon, but our prayer is that God is already speaking a dynamic word to you personally. But don't keep it to yourself. We need you to testify. We want to hear what God is doing. Give us a call or text us at 425-686-8197 to let us know what God is doing. If you're on Facebook, contact us at facebook.com slash newcreationcc or on Twitter at newcreationwa. Now, let's tune in for the second half of this sermon. You have to renew your mind and this is the steps that you have to go through to get it renewed. But if you stop before the process ends, your mind is never fully renewed. And let me say this, the mind will always constantly be renewed because you'll get a new revelation that this is not right as well. And you have to renew on that issue too. Amen? And then the next step, of course, from renouncing to now you have to renew. Now you have to accept those things that God has revealed to you as your own. That's, that's what renew means. I'm, I'm throwing out the old, and now I'm taking the new. I'm no longer going to think like I used to think. This is a hard thing for most people because most people don't put that much time into their walk with God. 
Huh? Most people just want to go to church. And that's wonderful. But church is not enough to sanctify your life. Huh? The church is the called out ones. The ecclesia. That's where the word church comes from. It's the called out ones. Called out means you've been separated. Or if you like the word sanctified, you've been sanctified. You've been set aside. But that ain't enough to be renewed. So we have a lot of set aside folk that are not renewed. That's why we have so much confusion in the church. Because they haven't finished the process. And then the last step is you have to reestablish. You've accepted and now you have to do what you now have accepted. You have to proclaim the things that you now have accepted. You have to be a model of what you now believe. You know, some of us believe that, well, it was okay to live with your girlfriend before you got married because then you could get to know them better. That's, that's, the, that's the normal reason why we live together, right? Come on, don't act like y'all don't have no idea what I'm talking about. You heard this before. <laughs> and that's a lie. All you're trying to do is have sex before the Bible says you should. That's all you're trying to do. And if you're not honest, you need to do what? You need to repent. And so we have to be honest with ourselves. And because if you're not honest, you can't go through this process. And this process is not just, oh man, I checked. This is a painful process. I talked about from the beginning, repentance is an acknowledgement that you're wrong. Every step of this process is an acknowledgement that you're wrong. It's an acknowledgement that I don't know how to do anything. Lord, I need you. I'm not even smart enough to know what's right and what's wrong. See, this is what the world has done to itself. The world has convinced itself that it knows what is right and what is wrong. But notice how it changes. Huh? How right and wrong have changed just from our lifetime. Let's not even go that far. In the last 15, 20 years, things have changed that were right 20 years ago. So the world really doesn't know what's right and what's wrong because it doesn't have an anchor. Excuse me. It doesn't have anything that keeps it from floating away. Remember we started out, I started singing this song. You got to be sure <clears throat> that your anchor is holding. See, truth is not a floating standard. It stays put. That's why it's not popular. They don't like the fact that truth doesn't change. They don't like the fact that God created us male and female. They don't like it. So they want to try to figure a way to change it. Well, you can try to do what you want, but it still doesn't change. Let me ask this question. And I have to ask, ask this. Which of the two sexes are created to have children? I hope that's not a hard question. <laughs> huh? Everybody say it. Are there, can the men have children? I mean, is there a new thing about men having children? No. So how can that be changed? I don't care what you do to your body. You cannot, a man who's 
goes through a sex change can't have children. You, they, they don't have the ability to create a womb to carry a baby and then deliver. They don't have that ability. Why? Because that's something God did. Now, you can mutilate yourself, but it won't make you a woman to be able to have children. And that's what's the defining between a male and a female. Everybody said, well, men and women are alike. Okay, but women are the only ones that can have children. And men can't. So they're not alike in every measure. They're alike in intelligence. They're alike in will. They're alike in the ability to decide. They're alike in all those things. But physically, there are differences. Am I, am I speaking things that are foreign? No, but that's what they're trying to teach now. Because the anchor is floating. But the Bible says you got to be sure, well, the Bible don't say that, but the song says you got to be sure that your anchor is holding. Amen? But see, you have to be fully persuaded in all this. <laughs> and that's why they want to start with children, because children, going back to what I said initially, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. So you can teach them foolishness and they'll believe it. But the parents are supposed to dispel foolishness so that it doesn't go on. Are you with me here? But we're so busy, we don't even know half the time what the kids have been told. That's why, you know, I always read these statistics that Christian children go to college and they come back atheists. Have you guys heard that, those, those teachings? No, they didn't go to college as atheists. They didn't go to college fully persuaded. They were not fully persuaded. Are you with me here? I went to college. I had just gotten saved. I was, I, no, I was actually in college when I got saved. But as soon as I accepted Christ, I was fully persuaded. And I started sharing the gospel, passing out tracts on campus, doing all sorts of things because I was fully persuaded and I had professors that tried to move me off the spot but I would write papers about how Jesus transformed <laughs> I would write papers about Jesus all the time and I remember one professor this is the class that I met Brian Osborne in and for those that know Brian and I wrote about Jesus and he said at the, after correcting my paper he says but your points, I can't really refute. <laughs> because I was fully persuaded. When you're fully persuaded, there's nothing, nobody can move you off the spot. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't doubt. I did, I'm not saying I never doubted. But doubting is not meaning that you don't believe. Doubting is an attempt to get you off the spot. But when you go back to the spot, then you're fully persuaded again. Amen? So that's what has to take place. We have to be transformed by the things that we say we believe. See, if you, if you believe the truth, a lie is not a threat. If you know that every human being on the planet is made in the image of God. You don't have to hate anybody. 
This is the problem. See, this, we're, we're running into a dilemma, and I, 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 I question if I should touch this, but I'm going to touch it anyway. We're fighting now for racial equality now, right? That's everywhere you go. It's on television. It's in the games. By the way, the NFL is going to do a, uh, an acknowledgement of the football players that have come out as gay today. So be, be aware. See what's happening. They're rejoicing in the things that were a sin just 15 years ago. But that was, that's an aside. So we, we, we want to equal, 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 make all the races equal. But they are equal. <laughs> it's only our actions that try to deny the fact, but they're still equal. And it's, people are, are, are at a loss for what to do because all they want to do is pass a new law. But I just told you, laws don't change the heart. You have to internalize the thing that you're trying to do. And it's not by violence, but it's by revelation. God says that he doesn't have any respecter of person. All are his. Amen? So if you want to understand and, and fix racial relations, you've got to internalize his perspective. Or you'll never get there. We don't know where to go after we go all the great slogans because everything man does is only on the outward. But God can change the hearts. And that's the church is the only solution, but the church doesn't even practice it most of the time. Because we're not always fully persuaded. Are you with me here? But that's the solution. Why should it be that a dark man should dislike a white man? Or, or a, You can stop calling people white because they're not white. Just like we're not black. Some people are black, but most of us are brown. Some of us are light brown. I remember I said to uh, Thomas, he said, yeah, you're like Ar an Arab. <laughs> he says, you're not, you're not a black man. I said, well, I'm black now. They call me black, but he's right. I'm not, I'm not a black, dark-skinned man. But why should that matter? Why should it matter? Why have we made it matter? Why have we allowed it to matter? That's really what's going on, when it really doesn't. I'm going to tell you why it doesn't matter, because Thomas Jefferson, who had slaves, ended up having children by somebody that was lesser than him, he said. <laughs> well, how can that be? Because it really didn't matter. But he made it matter. Are you with me here? So all this stuff is because we haven't internalized the things we say we believe. We haven't allowed ourselves to be transformed by the truth. Jesus said it. You shall know the truth. And, see, this is the part we, we don't get. We always just want to know the truth. But he says, and the truth will, shall make you free. And the freedom is because now you got it on the inside of you. You see, when you get it on the inside and somebody tells you, you're not equal to me, you just laugh. 
<laughs> because as the old song, there used to be a song. Well, I will sing no more songs. But anyway, there was a, there was a, there's a phrase that I know who I am. And I don't need you to tell me who I am because I already know. My biggest problem when I was a sinner was convincing you that you were equal with me. <laughs> so I was the opposite. In other words, I was proud. Okay, that's, that's just a fancy way of saying I was, I was haughty, uplifted. But I, I never had a problem thinking just because I was darker than you that you were better than me. <laughs> I said, that doesn't even make sense. Because you're not even as good looking as me. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> erase that, erase that, erase that. But you see, we, we, but we, we've allowed people to categorize us. Oh, you only got a C in this class, so I'm smarter than you. No, you just did better on the test than me, but you're not smarter than me because I can run some things by you that you don't know. That's the difference. And see, understand that this is why we have to be very careful about scholastic performance because some people think they're way up here because they're 4.0 students, but they're really not. They're not always the brightest bulb in the room, even though they may be a four-point student. Are you, with, are you with me here? And all of us know this. We all know this. So don't say, let somebody tell you that if, you're, if your grade point is a 2.3, and I'm way down there, that's a C, C, just barely over a C. But that, don't let somebody tell you that you're stupid just because you have a 2.3 grade point. All school is is a regurgitation process. Now, I hate to use that word because that's kind of gross. You take it in, you spit it out. And if you remember what you took in, you can get an A. Are you with me here? So it's not about aptitude. It's about exposure. It's about exposure. They do IQ tests. And if you, I, I recently went through an IQ test just to see what they look like now. And the things they ask you, it was about sequences. Every test was about a sequence. Could you recognize a sequence? Well, I'm, I'm 58 years old. I can recognize sequences. And so when I finished the test, I was way, way up there on the scale. But my IQ didn't change of who I was. You can ask Annis. He always thought he was smart. <laughs> right, babe? <laughs> I thought. Notice I said thought. <laughs> I realized I didn't know everything, but I thought I did. And that's how we are. You can know one subject, but there's always a subject that you don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm running long, so let me give you one more. I'll give you a sports example. See, most people call athletes stupid, right? They're just jocks, muscles. They don't go to class, and a lot of them don't go to class. But do you know... And I learned this when I played college football. The detail that you have to know week to week, not just every week we had to get a new game plan. We had to know the game plan. 
we had to know tendencies. We had to know what this team liked to do on third and ten. What this team liked to do on third and one. What this team liked to do on third and long. What this? So you mean to tell me you're going to call people like that stupid? No, they just didn't apply themselves where they didn't apply themselves. Intelligence has nothing to do with anything but application and exposure and information. That's why when you get older, you get smarter if you've been exposed to more. Are you with me here? Why am I spending time on this? Because all those things are surface. But if you internalize that God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and there's, and if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. See, there's no, God has it all. He really knows everything. So if I need something, I just need to ask him. And I don't have to feel like I'm the dumbest one in the class because I ask God. You know, that's why most kids don't ask questions in class. Well, if I ask this, I, I broke that mold a long time ago. When I was in school, I just, I was the I, first day of school, I always ask questions because I know since we haven't read anything, <laughs> I didn't have to know what they were going to talk about. I just had to ask a smart question. And I learned after you do that, they don't call on you no more. <laughs> Just tricking them. I was tricking them. Every time they would, I would raise my hand. But Harold, I, we don't want to hear from you anymore, Harold, because we hear from you. So I'm, I'm done for the year. I'm done for the quarter. <laughs> That's just psychology. I didn't know anything that they was about to talk about, but I beat them to the punch so that they didn't want to fight anymore. Are you with me here? I know these are fun things, but these are all surface things. You have to internalize what we've been talking about. Amen? Well, I'm going to have to unplug this. So I'll touch on this maybe a little bit next week because there are a couple things I wanted to bring out. So let's stand. Let's pray. Oh, well, actually, we thank you for listening to today's sermon. And we pray that you are impacted to become the new creation that God desires. We at New Creation Christian Center invite you to come join us for service Saturday at 7 p.m. or Sunday at 11 a.m. located at 5150 South Cloverdale Street, Seattle, Washington. Also, feel free to visit us online at newcreationwa.org. New Creation Christian Center, the path to genuine life where you can come as you are and be transformed by the word of God.